the Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap Jesus in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians. Now the Herodians represent the empire. They support King Herod. So they represent the emperor who oppresses the people. And the Pharisees and the Herodians are normally enemies of, of each other, but in Jesus they find a common enemy, so they come together for this purpose. And they say to Jesus, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? If Jesus says yes, they think the crowds will desert him because those taxes were a hated thing and they really were used to oppress the people. If he says no, don't pay taxes, the crowds will love it, but then the Herodians will quickly go and report that Jesus is stirring up rebellion and he'll get in trouble. So they think they're going to trick him. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, at the end of our reading today, what Jesus says sounds simple, but I wonder how do we live it? How do we give to God what is God's and to the emperor or to this world what is this world's? And when I say world, I don't just mean like government, but about the pressures that we have every day, the things that pull at our commitments and our devotion. We look at this slide here. We see the question, what is the emperor's? And there's the denarius. That's actually a picture of that coin that shows, <laughs> thanks for pointing it out, perfect. Um, that shows the head of the emperor, and it also had an inscription on it that said that the emperor was divine, like he's like God. And so Jesus says, give that to the emperor. But then this question, what is God's? We see the earth. Everything is God's own, all of it. That's Psalm 24 again. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and those who live in it. And not only that, but what Jesus literally asks when he gets the coin is not whose head is on it, but whose image. We see it's the image of the emperor. But he might be alluding to God's word for us in Genesis, which says that we are created in the image of God. The coin is the image of the emperor, but we bear the image of God. Debbie Thomas says, God's signature is written across our very beings, which means we owe God everything, our whole and entire selves. And I wonder if we, myself included, if we notice this, do we live it? I wonder if we're more likely to do the opposite of what Jesus says, that instead of just giving a portion, just giving back to the emperor what's the emperor, if instead we just give a portion to God, the barest amount of our time and energy and devotion, and then keep all the rest for devoting ourselves to the commitments or the pressures we have from this world, or the ways that this world push, pushes us to see ourselves and each other rather than seeing with the eyes of Christ. 
when I read the scripture, it reminded me of another one in the Bible. And I want to jump to that now. And so if we go to the next slide, this scripture says, Listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you. Does anybody know where this scripture comes from? What book of the Bible? Anybody have any idea? Okay, Pastor Eric, you're on again. Revelation, he answered at the first service, so I heard this revelation from behind me. So it comes from the book of Revelation. Now, just quickly, Revelation was originally a letter that was written to seven different churches who were dealing with three different issues depending on the church. This particular part of Revelation, chapter 3, is written to the church in Laodicea. And that church isn't dealing with persecution. They're dealing with complacency in their faith. So the word of God that comes to them reads like this. The word says to this church, I know your works. You are neither hot or cold. Oh, how I wish you were hot or cold, like on fire for God or completely cold, because then we could do something. Instead, they are lukewarm in their faith, lukewarm. What we hear is that this church has been prosperous, and the word that comes to them is this. It says, you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing. You don't realize, basically, that you have nothing because you've relied on your prosperity instead of on Jesus Christ. This church that's lukewarm in the faith has just enough faith to make sure they feel good, just a small portion for God, and they see that the rest is there to use and be shaped however they want. One researcher on a study called Growing Young called it spiritual dry cleaning, that we drop ourselves off at church for a week or drop our kids off to just get enough little spiritual dry cleaning, and then we leave, and that's kind of all we need, just enough to feel good but not enough to actually shape the rest of our lives. And so John goes on to write to this church in Laodicea. It says, Be earnest, therefore, and repent. Listen, I'm standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and will eat with you and you with me. And that's where this painting comes from. This is a painting we have in a couple different places in our church. And I think often we see this painting and we think it's Jesus standing at the door of an unbeliever, at someone's heart, like knocking, let me in. But it's a little different than that. It's Jesus standing at the door of a church, of a people who bear the name of Christ, who already know Christ. And Jesus is standing there saying, let me in. You've shut me out. Be shaped by me again. We know that Jesus did not walk this earth and die on the cross and be resurrected for us to just give a little section of our lives and then let the rest be shaped however we want. He walked this earth and died and was resurrected to transform this world to completely change how we are in the world, giving not all of ourselves to what this world offers or demands, but giving all of ourselves to God, the only one worthy of receiving that kind of allegiance and devotion. Perhaps it invites us to revisit, myself included, revisit our priorities, or what is it that we give space to in our brain? What do we think about the most? I remember someone once suggesting, um, this was about finances, but he suggested doing a spending journal, keeping track of everything you spend money on for an entire month, which sounds incredibly tedious, but can also be really helpful in seeing where are the dollars going. It can help us reflect and evaluate, is it in line with our priorities? Is it in line with what we value? Is it in line with what God values? But I wonder the same could be said for our commitments and our time. To take a journal of that. Where are we spending it? 
What are we thinking about the most? Or regardless of how we spend our commitments or our time, how much are we aware of Jesus in each moment? Keep a record of that. Was I aware of Jesus when I got up this morning? Did I say, thank you, God, for this day? Was I aware of Jesus when I was talking with my family or out running errands or in that meeting at work? It's really about how do we use all the time, all the resources, all our gifts and talents as people who are created in the image of God, who are formed to be followers of Jesus, not just here in this church building, but out there the whole rest of the week. This past week, Pastor Erica and I were able to meet with a couple of our students who are preparing for affirmation of baptism or confirmation next week. And all of them have been working on either faith projects or faith statements. But this week, we got to meet with one of them. And what she wrote in her faith statement was so in line with what I was thinking this week. And so I asked her permission if I could share it and share her name. And she said, I could. And so Kaya Anderson wrote this as part of her faith statement. I'll just read a little bit. She wrote, I want to bring encouragement to other people and show them the love of Christ. So many people look in the wrong direction when God is the only thing with true fulfillment. I am constantly trying to seek Jesus and know him more every day. I have learned that in the process of knowing Jesus, I have become more at peace with where I am in my life. I have started to talk to him more as a friend throughout the day. As I read my Bible more, it is as if his voice is at the frontal part of my brain. I catch myself praying as I go about my day-to-day -day activities, and these are the things she mentions she prays. Jesus, speak through me in this time of discussion. Jesus, shine through me as I walk in the hall. Jesus, give me patience when I cannot find it myself. He is my Savior, and I want others to experience him too. I think this is an absolutely beautiful example of having Jesus shape all of life, not just a part of it. And I wonder if we can all learn from that to find a way to have God's word be what shapes us through each and every moment of each day. We all know all too well that there is so much that's heartbreaking in our world right now. In Gaza, in Israel, still in Ukraine and Russia, in Yemen, in Sudan, in parts of the United States, and maybe even in our own lives. And we pray, and we pray, and we pray. And I pray, but I know I can't create peace all across the world. But every one of us can seek to not just be lukewarm in our faith, but to be on fire for God. Sue Saylor shared a devotion at our last council meeting, and I asked if she'd send it to me. It was written by Kate Bowler, and she wrote this. Help me to remember that love isn't always in grand gestures, but in the small faithful acts. Help me to remember it is in the showing up, in the work behind the scenes, in doing that which doesn't get us recognition. She goes on to talk about small ways to show love. And then she says, this is the long faithfulness that can change the world. And then she prays, God bless me in this little way to be able to do small things with great love. And when I screw up or forget or go weary, bless me with the courage to begin again. Being changed by your love and transforming the world one little act of love at a time. As we go out into our community, 
we are sent out with the grace, the welcome, and the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. We go out to bear not the images that the world tries to put on us, but bearing the image of God in Jesus Christ that may shape not just the time we spend here, but every hour of every day. In Jesus' name, amen.